0: The most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young.
1: We all have developer horror stories, from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using b7dev.com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. Want to scale your growth faster? GamesBoost42 gives you early access to your app store revenues, allowing you to multiply your growth without losing equity. See how they can help you grow by visiting gamesboost42.com. That once again is Gamesboost the number 42.com. What is up, AppNation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of Appmasters com the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and more importantly, those revenues. And today, I got a phenomenal guest. He sold multiple companies for billion, no, millions of dollars, $500 million to be exact in 2020. and I'm super excited to talk about just his journey, what he's learned from doing all these ventures and selling multiple com- companies and what's next in store. So without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Jeff Cook. He is the founder and CEO of the Meet Group, makers of so many phenomenal apps that you guys know and love. Meet me, Scoot, Tagged. Oh my goodness. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Um, And it's actually Scout. (laughs) Oh, I'm (laughs) sorry. Correct me all the time. What did I say, Scoot? (laughs) Jeff, you know what? I wanted to read all those apps, but I was like, you know what?
0: Yeah. I'm pumping
1: you up. That's why there's a little bit of pause. I was like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. read through all these apps that are super yeah, popular. Yeah, no. so congrats on all that.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I founded the, the app Meet Me and then the others we acquired over the course of the last few years. And
1: hey Jeff, you know, I really want to start with you from the very start. You know, I know your journey started in Harvard as another guy. And you, can you talk about that first company that you exited and you started and exited?
0: Yeah, so um, yeah, that's way back. That's, that's 1997. And um, I basically didn't want to clean the dorm rooms of my classmates or uh, work in the library, but I did need to have some money. And so um, I started, I basically asked myself, well, what is it that I can do? And I figured, well, I can write okay you know I, I thought I was always a, a reasonably good writer um, and obviously I got into Harvard so I thought maybe I could help people with their resumes or their, you know personal statements um, so I started an editing business and it was just a side job I figured you know the, the very worst that would happen is I learned a thing or two about creating a web page which in 1997 you know was new to me um and you know I had to integrate the e-commerce backend myself you know I had to learn a little bit of pearl um but it was fun you know I had fun kind of going through the, all the hoops of that and um you know it, pe- people started buying it right <laughs> pretty much like right, right, as soon as I posted the web page and so um it was kind of a great a great little side job for uh the first year it was like ten thousand dollars but then you know, the the next year and, and and I was still doing classes, of course, and 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 um the next year it was like forty thousand, and I was doing all the editing myself and, and I was like, well, gee, this is like too much. I'm gonna need to hire some people. So I started hiring classmates to do the actual work. And um then by senior year it was three hundred dollars business. Wow. Um it, it would grow to you know five million. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, was in terms of sales, but so it, it was, it was kind of really interesting. Um, and, and I was fairly lucky. I mean, it was just right time, right place. Like 1997 being, if you were, if you were building anything in e-commerce building on the web, like that was a good time to be doing it.
1: Well, how did you go from just, you know, what was
0: it? 30,000?
1: to then, what, would, what did you say the third year? Like 300,000? 300,
0: 300,000, yeah. So actually the big difference, so what would happen is uh, I would redesign the website every summer. So um, you know, I worked at, in the, the first summer I worked in Colorado at a company called InfoBeat, which had been Mercury Mail. Um, it was kind of, I met the guy on a lift and Vale, the CEO, and he, he was kind enough to offer me a job. And so I, w- I was an intern there. And then at night I would build this thing. And, you know, I got better, of course, than my first version. Um, and I got better at kind of SEO, SEM. These, these are the days of uh, overture, right? And so the days mm. of go-to, not, you know, it was before, um, you know, uh, Google had, 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 had paid search. Um, and so um, that, it basically grew on, on the back of that, also on the back of the service was good. Mm. And then um, I, I actually, in, in, the, in the summer after junior year, I, my, my, girlfriend and I went to California, who's now my wife, went, went to, um, California rented a house and I didn't take an internship that year. I just said, oh, you know what? I'm making, this thing's making like a hundred grand a year. I'm, I'm just going to see what this could do. Um, or no, it had made 40,000 that year. And, and I redesigned the whole thing soup to nuts. I actually took it, t- took it, h- insights from my psychology classes and like mm. the pricing structure, um, and was reading a little bit on on stuff to to kind of improve uh, just the, the the marketing of it, and that that's I think probably why it it, it dramatically expanded between junior and in, in senior year. Um, and then once we and then I actually I I, I got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar angel check a few days after I graduated. I was negotiating that in my um, in you know I, 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 in my senior spring. Um, at at Harvard and and, um, that was great. That that angel investor was was, uh, Terry Herndon went along uh, and his wife Eva was a great supporter. He actually found me because I wrote an article in Wired Magazine saying, uh, outing myself as an entrepreneur at Harvard which at the time was against the book, against the rules. Um, And uh, they would then go on to relax those rules. But uh, then Terry Herndon um, read that article contacted me and put money in. Um, and then he would back the next company I did as well.
1: So was that as as SA edge?
0: Uh, that was, that, that, that business was SA edge. Yeah. And then the, uh, and resume edge. And then
1: the, the
0: next business he would back would be my yearbook.
1: Okay. Well, there's a couple of things I want to hit on that you, you kind of mentioned is (laughs) the psychology and pricing. I love this. I read a great book called with Dan Ariely about like predict predictably irrational, and so I use some of those things, and I've seen some mm-hmm. amazing results on this. What did you use on those pricing things in psychology?
0: Well, I think the book I was thinking about was uh, Cialdini, um, I think Principle? the psychology of the psychology of influence, mm-hmm. and um, the the principles I think were um, <laughs> you know, things like if, if you have. Uh, multiple tiers of service you know the, the middle one is the one that people kind of naturally tend to gravitate to right. so you kind of make the the bottom one kind of cheap but seeming cheap the the top one is kind of just there to to Anchor. to be there right mm-hmm. and, and um and then then the the middle one um is important and and then and also just segmentation so you know we were we were rather than just going after personal statement, it was college application, law school, personal statement, medical school, you know, AMCAS essay and, and, and just getting much more tailored to, um, to the, to the user. Interesting,
1: man. What do you, th- what do you think was that you learned or how you became a manager? Cause at such a young age, I mean, what are you like 20 at that time, like growing a company from just a few $10,000, $40,000 to hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, what did you learn along the process or what do you think that was in you? Cause I would tell you, like, if I was doing that, I was like, yeah, 40,000 is cool. Let's try to just do 50 or 60, but what was in yeah. you that you were like, I'm going to 10 X this thing. Uh,
0: that wasn't actually what I was thinking. Um, how do I 10 X this thing? I, I was thinking more, how do I improve this thing? Um, and so, um, and then in the course of improving it, um, you know, the, the revenue kind of followed. But I, but I wasn't thinking from a point of view of, oh, I need sa- sales are this and I want them to be this. It was mm-hmm. more, um, okay, you know, I, you, you always hate the, the products you develop, right? Like, you, and, and, and so the, like, you, you constantly need to kind of reinvent them. Yeah. And so like the summer was my kind of ability. And because at the time, you know, I was learning website design and I was a designer, right? And I was developer as well. And so, um, you know, as I just got better at it, I I would want to, I would want to improve it.
1: Mm, I like it. Why did you decide to take the angel check?
0: Um, that's a good question. You know, it it felt to me like just more stability to, you know, it it was making money and I didn't super need it, but, um, you know, it it de-risked hiring a team. And so I I did want to put together kind of a, Mm. Uh, you know, five to ten people, um, and 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 that that did ended office space, and so yeah, I was I was about to incur some more expenses, so I thought you know might as well not come out of pocket for that.
1: Were were they all contractors before? You think they, they were all
0: contractors before, and they were mostly contractors after. But then mm-hmm. you know I would hire people like a managing editor to to actually hire the editors. Customer service was in house. Um, we would we would get an engineer. You know, so so, so there were in house roles as well. Got it.
1: The, the other thing I want to move, I could, I could stay on this. <laughs> so you tell me Yeah, too much on this. Too early the thing time. that
0: I'm, I'm, I think I'm reasonably uh, adept at is knowing what I don't know. And mm. so, um, you know, like I'm terrible at certain user facing aspects of communication, right? Because I'm, I'm, I'm more like pushing forward vision product. Mm-hmm. um but like talking to people customer service y- y- i'm the wrong guy for that and my wife um you know my then girlfriend y- got, saw me on the phone with a customer because i was the customer service line like my my cell phone right yeah and and um i i i basically berated a customer who had berated me and she was like who, who are you talking to i was like i don't know Stupid customer, right? <laughs> and then, then she started uh, running customer service for me, and, and so uh, she was like, "You just can't talk to these people ever again."
1: Mm-hmm. And I was
0: like, "I think that's probably a good idea." Um, and so I, I never did. Um, and but but you know, I, I think over time I kind of understood my limitations, and that that's why you need a good team around you. Yeah,
1: I love that. The were there lessons that you learned from building that first company that you still use today?
0: Yeah that that was a that was a great company in, in terms of it was profitable and it was, it was kind of fun. Um, you know I I think the thing I did reasonably well there was was being just efficient right like it, it didn't over raise. Um, you know I, I actually raised that seven hundred fifty k and then didn't raise again, um, and and I thought that was. That that was a that was something that's worth doing. I mean, it, it's always a question, right? It, it it totally depends on the idea. That that wasn't a, a super venture scale sort of opportunity. Um, venture scale opportunities you typically would want to err probably on the side of an over raise. But um, you know, I think I I, I think you know it, you're not successful because you're raising money. <laughs> you're successful because you're growing the company. And so I think I probably learned from that how important product changes can be to your fortunes right because I saw it firsthand like every summer everything just tripled or quadrupled right and so um, it was uh, yeah I think that that kind of stayed with me this belief that there's always a product that I could put out there that would you know change the fortunes of the company.
1: I'm glad you said that Jeff because that was my main takeaway from your story as well It's like I wrote that down. I was like, he changed the product every summer. Like he had some off time and he was just changing and tinkering with the product and improving it every summer. When I look at my old previous like home pages, I'm like, oh, it's so fucking nasty. Like, you know, it's so nasty. Yeah. And right. I, I love that you're like constantly improving it every year during it fit in because you're in college. But like that summertime, you use that as time to reflect and like really push the business forward.
0: Yeah, no, I, think that's, I think that's exactly right. You know, t- t- time to tinker, um, is, uh, you know, sometimes have, has, has pretty outsized rewards. How did the exit happen? You know, that was interesting too. So it, it, it actually strangely came down to that Wired article um, that I wrote in senior year of college. Um, and I, I was being audacious on purpose because I, I wanted, I wanted um, they told me to write a thousand words. They reached out to me and okay. said, um, write a thousand words, we'll pay you a dollar a word. And, and I was like, oh, this is like writing my own you know, ad, right? Because like, <laughs> uh, so, okay. So, so I sent them 3000 words and figured they'd either say, cut it down to a thousand or or they might run it. So And they ran it and paid me a dollar a word. Uh, so, I, so Carrie and I, we went off to the Virgin Islands on, on Wired Magazine for, for the right to write a self-promotional article. <laughs> Um, but in that article, I'd said I would be a millionaire or I would be a failure if I were not a millionaire by age 24 and so like the, the problem and, and then but like in, in the midst of a 3000 word essay you, you don't really where you're trying to be audacious like it, it didn't it didn't really resonate I didn't really have that plan right I, I didn't really care I just thought it looked good in, on paper um but then you know they pulled that out of the thing and they made it the big text and it was in wired and had my picture next to it like oh jesus right like do i have to actually do that um and so uh you know i actually reached out to a few companies when i was 24 to see if anybody wanted to buy it (laughs) really yeah and and you know this, this college guidebook company is owned by thompson um learning which is like a multi-billion dollar conglomerate but it had this division that was focused on uh admission this was in the back in the day when like guidebooks were a thing now that's all pretty much online but um they were looking for you know ancillary services and they liked the revenue group
1: wow wait how did you find these companies that you thought would be would want be interested in buying it
0: i mean I, i just I mean, we were in kind of the admission, we were in two spaces, really. Um, There's not that many companies, you know, there's the, um, in in admissions, you have, you know, only a handful of companies that that can write a, you know, a a reasonable check. And then in in job search, you have more because we were also running Resume Edge, but um, I reached out there too. But there, there was like Hot Jobs and Monster, Um, but a lot of those, they didn't seem as promising to uh, to potentially want to buy the resume aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, just, just worked out. It, it, my, my sense on acquisition is that you need both sides to be super motivated, right? If, if you're always the side willing to uh, to be motivated, then, you, then you've solved half of it, right? But mm. you need to find that other party who's super motivated because th- these deals don't get done any other way. Like, they're complicated. They, they go over a long period of time, even, even smaller companies, you know, those deals trying to, the same amount of pain and effort. Um, and so, um, you know, it, it, it's, it, it's my sense that like that I happened to find a, 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 a party that, you know, had what they considered a revenue gap was just needing more revenue to kind of fill the model. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just fit in and it and, and happened to work out. That's awesome.
1: So you did become a millionaire by the, by 34
0: then. 24. Yes.
1: 24. I did. <laughs> yes, <laughs> You're still the audacious person, Jeff. I like it. <laughs> I have that Wired article pulled up here. So I'm going to link that into the show notes so you guys can take a look
0: at it as well. i sure it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> have you read it recently? No.
1: <laughs> 24. Well, congrats on all that. Sold it in 24 became a millionaire you sold your second company for hundred million and then now you sold your most recent one for 500 million what have you learned along the way and I, what i love about this story jeff is i don't know if it's just a, just by happen chance but it went from like you know millions which isn't reported so i'll let you kind of decide whether you want to do that and then went to 10 million 100 million and 500 million i like that but what have you learned along that way just exiting companies and did you build that next company thinking that, hey, I am my yearbook, I am going to potentially exit this, and this is how I'm going to build it
0: to exit? Yeah, you know, I, I think um, when I, I built my yearbook, um, I, I I was thinking there'd be an exit. Um, and, and I would never have imagined it, it was like, six or seven years later, right? Like, I, I had thought, Oh, th- this is clearly this huge space, social networking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Facebook is a clearly, a, a you know, I, was, I totally underestimated Facebook. I, I thought it was clearly a multi-billion dollar company back in, uh, you know, when it was only at Harvard and, uh, I was off by about two orders of magnitude, right. It'd be a few hundred billion, probably eventually trillion dollar company. But, um, you know, so if I were smart, I should have just went and worked for Facebook back then. But, um. Mm-hmm. What I did was just create a social network. And so um, I, I thought it would exit and, and we looked for exits probably in 2008. You know, we looked uh, again or in, in 2011, it, it would actually, or 2010, 2011, it would, it would then sell towards the end of 2011. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think you often don't realize, and one of the lessons I think I learned is that when you start a company, it has this way of becoming your life's work, right? Like you, you might think it's an interesting idea, and maybe you'll exit, and maybe you will, you know, in twelve to eighteen months. But it's probably that's probably not what's going to happen. Um, and you know, there'll be times when you're growing. There'll be times it's going sideways. There's times you might have a tough year. Then you might grow again, right? And um, there, there, you know, you might be doing that for for you know ten years. You might be doing it for longer. And and that's if you're successful, right? So. So I think um, I've learned, uh, you know, it, it, there's no such thing as a quick flip. I mean, it, it can happen, but, but there's just no way of reliably believing that would happen.
1: Yeah. Is it hard to ever let go of a company? Because I mean, what you said was so true. Like I think of my company, it's just my baby and like, you know, my face is plastered all over it. I'm sort of at right. like the end of it. And it's just like, it's my baby. Like if I were to ever exit this thing, it's like, man, a part of me, I'm giving up a part of me too. Like, it's like, okay cool next journey, but at the same time, like this is something I built from the ground up as well.
0: Yeah, you definitely um and, and that's probably how I came to um my yearbook. I was kind of going through kind of the grieving process. Uh, you know <laughs> 24, 25, 26 at that time it was a couple year earnout. So it's probably 26, 27. And um I was thinking, gee, did I just peak? Like like what are the odds that I'm gonna start another company that does even... any was anywhere. Um, and, and um, you know, and, until I until I did, until until I was basically working on something else, that was the only way to get over it, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so, you know, especially once you're disassociated from it, right? It's one yeah. thing when you're still kind of running it, but um, when you're disassociated from it, that's when you're really like, oh. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, you absolutely feel that way. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, and I think the question I, I asked myself, is this my life's work, Really? You know, Resumes and essays, right? Like, is, is this enough? Um, and so, you know, it didn't feel like it. Um, and so it felt like something I could part with. And so, you know, I, I think that gave some perspective.
1: Yeah. Well, I also like you did a, I was learning, looking at past podcasts that you've done. I like this quote because I have something similar. You kind of said that's like, what are you going to regret more? And I think in the thing, you're like, you're going to regret losing I was at maybe half a million dollars or are you gonna regret not taking this approach. And I told my kids too, like when you're trying to decide what to do, what are you gonna regret more not doing, right? Like in the future. And so I love that approach that you have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, um, I think it might've been Bezos who, who kind of suggested that, like the, the opportunity cost of being a banker versus starting Amazon. Like back at the time, he couldn't have possibly imagined that Amazon would be what it is today, right? He might've thought it was a big opportunity, but like, it it would be impossible to conceive of this one. And, and, uh, but now if you look at it, like the opportunity cost of of Bezos becoming a banker was extraordinary, right? Like, Mm. (laughs) right. Like it was mind boggling. And so, you know, there's only a few moments like that, that, you know, most people will, will get and sometimes what differentiates, you know, an entrepreneur from a banker is what they do in those moments.
1: I, you know, it's funny cause I, when I was reading through sort of the transcript in there, they were talking about like how you had half a million dollars to lose. But then I think the way you, you kind of meant it, maybe this is wrong, me putting words in your mouth. So please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like the opportunity cost of you being a banker. So if I were to go on to this trajectory of just running growth for a startup in San Francisco, which is what I yeah. was doing, that opportunity cost, the the money that I'm making from that versus doing this on my own, and also like not just the money aside, like right. the happiness level and the fulfillment level is measurable.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think the um, the opportunity cost, uh, you know, I I, yeah. I I think to your point, yeah, I did have because I had exited one, I I, I had some money to lose. But but it was kind of interesting that it, it, at that point, I never really seriously imagined staying at the company. Like the company had been willing to, to keep me around and, and pay, but like it just, it, it, there was no possible way that was going to happen. And and, and and I think part of it is the the non-monetary piece that you talk about, right? Like this, um, you know, h- how much control over your own destiny do you have, right? You, you, even without being... Um, you know, the CEO or, or the, the entrepreneur and, you know, as long as you have control of your own destiny, you know, even inside of a larger company, I, right. I think it can work. But if you feel like, you know, your creative avenues are, are lost to you, I mean, that's all you, you know, at the end of the day, if you're a product guy and I am, you know, that's all you have, right? So if you can't do the things you want to do, you're just wasting your time. Yeah. I agree.
1: All right. I want to talk about what you're currently doing with the live streaming space and the meet group, but I have to know this, Jeff, what was the tactic that allowed you to grow my yearbook into millions of users in just nine months?
0: Yeah, so so that was actually a nice little hack. Um, What we did, this was back in 2005, six, and the, um, the biggest social website at the time wasn't Facebook, it was MySpace. And MySpace had this concept of quizzes, um, or really anything you could put in your profile. And, and the, the lingo at the time was pimp out your profile. And um, we, we I, I basically saw that, gee, how can I leverage this platform to create like some loop that would allow people to join my yearbook? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the, the idea we basically came up with was you take uh, quizzes, and it was almost like an early BuzzFeed. Like, like, what Seinfeld character are you? What Disney princess are you? They were user generated, but you know, we, they were seated and we had probably eighty to one hundred thousand quizzes, and people just started taking them and then posting it on MySpace, then someone else would take it and post it to MySpace, and the the beauty of that was obviously free distribution, and and that that that, that grew really fast, and then we put a. Uh, a registration a very very lightweight registration between the quiz and the quiz result and suddenly we we had this profile right now we had mm-hmm. profiles and then we could connect people to each other um and now we had a social network right mm-hmm. so that's how we jump started the social network um without having to you know it, because because at first we couldn't really solve the problem of how to fill the funnel right and so like pay we were we, you know we Tried paying money and, and to, to Google and 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 and, uh, and that just was not that was just not working. You know, it wasn't it wasn't uh, sustainable, and so uh, it was really the ability to kind of leverage MySpace, and and then we would do that actually um, a few more times. We would do that with we we had one of the top twenty Facebook apps when Facebook was viral. You know, when it had all those open platform, um, and so we and we we did it in a kind of a it was a different concept but um we leveraged that platform to try to drive you know profile growth
1: yeah oh, that's amazing i mean so many people i know like that are now in the app space leverage that facebook platform like oh we had millions and we we're driving so many people within right. that games platform when open, when facebook had all that going on too
0: yeah those were, i mean it was the heyday right like it was, <laughs> it was crazy um and that that was fun because you could actually do stuff like that but you know, it wasn't sustainable because it led to kind of a spammy platform for Facebook, who then, you know, broke down, you know, uh, uh, totally uh, cut cut down the, the ability to, to do those things.
1: I remember just playing Scrabble on Facebook. I was like, not doing anything. I was like, what the hell is this Facebook? I was on MySpace back in time too. And I was right. like, what the hell is this Facebook? I just play Scrabble with my friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. all I was doing. <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, Zynga was
0: built on that. Right? Yep. You, you totally. had uh, words with friends built on that. You, you had some pretty interesting things pretty interesting games all built on that platform and then it kind of just went away right
1: yeah so i mean look let's say the past 20 15 20 years you've been obsessed with just like social networking the the media having some type of collaboration group with the meet group as well what is this live streaming stuff that you're doing working on now
0: yeah, live streaming is something that we got into in 2016. And actually, I uh, was in Beijing in 2015, uh, or a few other places in China too, and and saw kind of YY early um, and Momo early. And at first I didn't get it, right? I, I uh, didn't see how live streaming, it, it felt like something that was not gonna resonate in the United States, um, but, but like, it was an, it was compelling and the reason I was compelled was because momo it's a Chinese dating app but it it it, it was a lot like uh, meet me the, the app uh, I started which is what my yearbook evolved into and so I wanted to um, I you know I was, I was kind of wrestling with you know what why is this working <laughs> um, and and then it, then it just dawned on me it was obvious it' was just like Oh, it's working because people are coming to dating apps, looking for connection. Like they don't need to date people to find that, um, you know, they're, they're not looking for a date on a dating app. They're looking for connection that could take the form of a date. And it was basically a realization, you know, that's, that was, you know, that Tinder is only just now having, right? Like they're, they're just now realizing that there's like this entertainment, there's this, yeah, Eugene Way wrote a great essay, Status as a Service, and suggests like in consumer social, you should lean into utility, entertainment, and status if you wanna maximize the opportunity. And like dating apps, I think we're mostly just focused on utility, right? Um, get me a date for the weekend, get me a spouse, you know, wh- whatever the purpose or the niche. Um, and we, we saw, oh, this could be an entertainment platform. But only if it was done with this social entertainment way, and that's where live streaming fit in. And so we started building out this live streaming engine. We we grew it um, uh, substantially uh, from from 2016 over the you know for the next few years. Um, and we we did it with kind of very. I think the the key insight I, I had after that was, if I'm going to get into live streaming, I got to be all in because like live streaming is basically extremely dangerous right like yeah. you could have people doing all sorts of terrible things in live streams like you you, you can't build a live streaming service without building the safety um, at the core of it and so uh I put the whole company on it in uh late 2016 and then we we launched it but but we were super helped by the fact that momo already had it and it was a public company even it's a chinese company but it's traded in new york and so i could see the percentage of their users that would do it because like it started off at like 14%. That was the first time they gave a public stat. It went to 20% after a couple quarters, got to 25%. Mm-hmm. And so when I launched it and saw like, uh, it was like 12 to 14%, I was like, perfect. Right. Like that's, that's exactly what I was hoping to see. I wasn't, it, there was no revenue, right. It was pre-revenue, but, but um, you know, I, I, I was able to kind of validate against that other model. And then uh, we would then go on to build the, the monetization engine, you know, the multi-hundred million dollar revenue stream.
1: Was that on coincidence that you were just seeing Momo and seeing what they did? Or was that on purpose that like, you're like, hey, I'm studying these, I don't know, they're, whether they're competitors or, you know, complementary apps. Like, was that on purpose or was, what do you think that was a coincidence?
0: I think it was probably selling a company. I, I, I think a banker was taking me around China. And uh, and maybe not formally, but but like with, with that the concept of just staying close to potential buyers, um, and so I think that's how I met them, and and it was just you know, that that that's sort of that's another reason to, to stay close to potential buyers because you, you know you get to see what they're working on right, um, and um, in this particular case that ended up being critical to to, to the trajectory of our company. Wow.
1: And so you're putting live streaming in a dating app. Is that what you're doing too?
0: Yeah. So, so what we do, um, our live streaming, we have, we have a tab of our dating app, Meet Me. It's a tab of Meet Me Tag, mm-hmm. uh, Meet Me Tag Scout um, Growler. And it's called Live. And every day, about 20 to 25% of the users will go into live to watch one-to-many or few-to-many live streams. And so it's not one-on-one oh. live streaming like you might think in, in like a dating context. It's mm-hmm. more broadcast live stream. And some of the talent is quite good, like the conversational talk shows, you know, have cooking show, you know, people, people with various talents. Um, but it's mostly just conversational. And, and you can, you can see people near you who are chatting. We built a bunch of interesting little dating games around it. So we, we created a game called Next Date that allows you to kind of turn everybody into the star of their own dating game. People can queue up to date the streamer. You know, they're in the box for the guest box for a few minutes. And so we kind of gamified the guest box. You know, we, we built a, a, a battles feature that allows two streamers to connect to each other and um, and, and people can give gifts, uh, these virtual gifts that are paid for. And that's where we monetize mm-hmm. um, to and, and they, they want to support their streamer. The, the way to think of it is, it's actually very similar to what Snapchat did although it wasn't live streaming for Snapchat but Snapchat built a media business on the back of the distribution created by the snaps that got sent. Right. So people send a lot of snaps. It, it's short. Uh, people have short sessions in Snapchat, but they come back frequently. Dating is the same thing. At the end of the day, every dating app is a chat app, right? People are sending chats. It's the chat that gets you in. You, re- you respond to that chat. That that brings that other person maybe back in. You send a few more. And that's essentially the, the, the loop. Um, and so, the, the question was, well, gee, can we take 20 to 25% a day of those people and get them to watch 20 minutes, spend 20 minutes more with us? And that's what live streaming does.
1: Wow. And are you, am I able to watch like older live streams?
0: Like, no, are it's All of It's all ephemeral. You know, we, we've, um, we, we may get there for certain content, but um, like the ephemerality is actually a, a nice piece of why people like it. Interesting you, you, you miss it. If, 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 you're not there. Wow. I love it. I mean, how did
1: you, I guess, you know, I'm always, and this is a selfish question, Jeff, like I'm always concerned. Like, I, I don't know what's coming next. Like, you know, like, I'm, like I have no idea what's coming next. I'm not a good predictor of like, what's going to really take off. Like, how do you try to stay as someone who's I'm assuming been married for a few years now? Like, how do you stay on top of the game in terms of dating? And then like, just seeing the outside trends to see what might be coming next.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been married 15 plus years. So I, I actually uh, never dated as far as uh, my dating app life is concerned. <laughs> Me <too>. um, so, <laughs> so it's not like I, I built a mousetrap that I'd, I'd like to see. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I think you can, if you're, if you're good at product, you don't have to be the, the person who uh, is the end user. I, I think it's fun if, if, you're, if you can eat your own dog food, but, um, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And so, you know, you could, you could interview um, users, you can, you can bring them in, you could survey them, um, you could observe uh, other products. But I would say, you know, what, what I do is, I look at, at like what's trending, you know, I, I look at it in China, actually now I've made that a practice where mm. someone actually who, who's a Chinese speaker and also knows social, um, and uh, it gives me kind of rundown on, on what's moving and what's trending um, and kind of breaks it apart because China is, is, is kind of where I think the, by far the, 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 fastest pace of innovation, there are us innovations clearly, but, um, China is such a big market has such, such, you know, strong entrepreneurs that, um, you you know, you'd be crazy not to be looking there for, for, for insights. And and then, you know, I have this really unique use case, you know, the meat group has this unique use case of, of meeting new people. Right. And so you can t- you might see something interesting that doesn't apply to th- th- that somebody's doing in something touching social that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fit meeting new people yet. And then you can think, well, how, how can I make that concept come to meeting new people? And so, you know, I-, I think it's being abreast of the landscape and the trends in the landscape right now. Clearly, there's this trend towards interactivity, authenticity um, and live streaming just pl- fits in well with those things.
1: Yeah, one thing I was surprised to I met a few, some few people who are doing live streaming for like e-commerce. And I was like, what? Yeah. And like, this is taking off in Korea. It's so popular. And I'm like, what? And so they're trying to bring it into the States too and doing something Totally,
0: similar. that's gonna be huge. Talk Shop Live is, is an early one of those. Yeah. Uh, Comment Sold is a monster. Um, my wife actually watches live streaming e-commerce and, and buys things. I I, I don't. Um, but, um, and, and I think Qua- um, uh, i mess it up but there, there, there's there's many huge uh versions of this in China
1: yeah it's crazy and then with the video platform you're powering other apps with this platform as well yeah
0: yeah so so basically what we did was we when we built this live streaming platform and because we went all in we're like well gee we're already all in right like I put everybody on it, it, it the, if, if this doesn't work we're kind of you know uh, screwed in one way or the other and so um, at that point, we are like, well, gee, let's try to get as much scale as we can, right? Because if you're already all in, you know, you might as well double or triple down. It doesn't make any difference, right? Um, and so we, we ended up buying um, our, our competitors, you know, um, at least they were other social media apps. They, were, they weren't, you know, the different demographics, one was gay dating, mm-hmm. one was a, a large black community. And so um, we, we said, let's, let's buy these with the same thesis because you know, we're, we're adding live streaming to this. If it, if it works here, it'll probably work there too. And, and if it doesn't work here, it probably won't work there either. And what difference does it make? Um, and so um, we, we, we bought those and uh, it worked everywhere. We tried it. And, and, but then in the course of integrating those, you know, so we, we acquired four different properties and we integrated live to each of them. We got better and better at integrating live and, and we bought this one asset in Germany called Laboo, um, which had like a you know, million, more, more than a million daily active users wow. and uh, added, bought it just to add live, but we didn't uh, really have any ability to go there and, and manage it. So we kept it intact um, and um, we, we, we really just asked them to build, you take one of their teams and integrate what we already had. And so it was like, well, gee, if we're asking a team to do that, why are we, you know, we don't need to buy everything we, we video enable. Um, and so, uh, and, and we, in any event, we ran out of things to buy, right? Because we're limited by our own size. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, that, that's, we reached out, you know, we, we power uh, uh, the Plenty of Fish app. Um, nice. And then there's four others that are going to be coming on in the next, you know, few months that, that we've, we've already, uh, we, we, that, that we have in our pipeline.
1: where where do we find out more about
0: integrating life? As as we, as we launched them, as we launched them. Oh, oh, you could learn more about video platform as a service. Anybody interested in, in who might have a community of, you know, I'd say a hundred thousand plus daily active users, just go to the meet and you'll see VPass video platform as a service. Uh, You could just fill out that short form and and somebody will be in touch, but um, no, it's, it's a, it's a great business because while, you know, anyone, well, building video is, is, is interesting in its own right. Um, but a mass combining audiences and, and, and leveraging the network effects across multiple properties is actually where the magic happens. Um, cause this, you know, it, then you don't have to build the talent from, from day one, you can start monetizing on day one. It doesn't take two or three years to build up, uh, your monetization. Um, you know, we, at this point we spend tens of millions of dollars a month, uh, uh sorry, a year on, on, on just R&D and, and c- pushing out the platform. And so, you know, we, we've made this like super easy to integrate. Um, and so, um, you know, our hope is that that, that you know, we'll continue to, to be able to bring that um, to market.
1: Yeah, I love it. The, it's not only, you know, what you said, what I took away from video was like, hey, it helped our engagement, helped our monetization, obviously, too. It's sort of like a win-win for all parties involved.
0: Yeah, that's what it, it seems like. You, not everybody wants to go all in on, on video and, and in any event, <laughs> it's too late, right? Because like, it's, you know, um, you, you, it's not, it's yeah, you know, video has, you, you have to now catch up to like four or five years of development. Um, and so if, if, it's, if it's as little as, you know, two weeks of, it, of, of integrating an SDK and suddenly you're making 50% of what you would have made if you had built it four years ago, um, you yeah, know, that might be good enough. Yeah.
1: Jeff, anything we miss that you want to make sure we cover?
0: Um, no, you know, I, I think this is a, a great conversation. I'm, I'm super, um, enthusiastic about the, uh, live streaming space and, and live streaming video and you know, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah. Well,
1: I love everything about our conversation, Jeff, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big finish. I know you got to run to another call soon <laughs> too, as well, but. Besides all of the apps that you own, will give us another app that we should definitely check out.
0: Besides the ones that are owned by the Me Group, yeah. Um, you know, I, I certainly have been playing around with with Clubhouse, um, as as have you know many many other people. <laughs> um, and you can follow me on Clubhouse at, at Jeff Cook G E O F F C O O K. But it, it's just an interesting forum when it's reduced to audio, kind um, ca- kind of a, a different flavor, um, and, and I think that you yeah, know, that's clearly, uh, an interesting one at the moment. Okay, like
1: What's a lesson could be business or personal that take you the longest to learn?
0: You know, I guess the longest to learn is kind of gratitude maybe, right? <laughs> like, 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 um, you know, I, I think it's easy to get stuck in whatever race that you're currently trying to run. Um, And to kind of miss the forest through the trees. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I've obviously been blessed. I have three beautiful children, um, 14, 10, and six. Um, You know, things have been so good so far. And, you know, it can be easy to get wrapped into some little, you know, little professional thing that that seems like your whole world. And it isn't, right? Like there's just this, you know, in the scheme of things. And you got to think of the scheme of things as bigger than whatever you're working on that day. Yeah, I love it.
1: The website is themeatgroup.com. If you guys want to learn more about VPass, look, all the other apps you guys have already heard of. And so go check out all the other apps as well, but you'll find that if you go to themeatgroup.com as well. Jeff, if the audience wants to follow up with you personally, do you want to send them anywhere
0: else? Yeah, I mean, uh, you could follow me on Clubhouse at Jeff Cook or on Twitter at Jeff Cook.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll link that into the show notes. So if you just click on Jeff's name, you'll go straight to his Twitter account. Jeff, thank you so much for taking time and doing this.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate thank it. F- Sorry.
1: <laughs> thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat.
0: Cool. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.